And no, I did not request that particular song, but what a fabulous song to introduce tonight's lesson. Tonight we're going to talk about one of the greatest and yet in many ways most neglected blessings that we have. And for those of you that were here this morning, you know that I've already told you that today both sermons as well as the bulletin this morning and tonight because it hasn't changed any are all about Bible study. About what a wonderful gift the Bible is, but how much we need to continue, no matter how old we get, how long we spend in the Lord, how we need to continue to accumulate knowledge. It's the only way that we're going to win this battle that we're in against Satan. And this morning, as we close the sermon, I told you about a text that I consider to be one of the most powerful, one of the most practical, and one of the most essential and much needed everyday promises of the entire book of Isaiah when it comes to Bible study. Please turn with me tonight to that particular text in Isaiah chapter 26 where we left off this morning. Isaiah chapter 26. That's going to be our key text for tonight and for everything that we talk about. Isaiah chapter 26 explains and I hate to use the cliche because it gets worn out and it loses its impact, but this particular text explains the life and death, the really truly life and death importance of consistent, ongoing, in-depth, focused Bible study. Not only for those who legitimately want to spend eternity in heaven, but for the, the beautiful power of heaven that we can live every day in our earthly existence right here. Look with me in Isaiah 26. I want to begin tonight, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah says in Isaiah 26, 1, In that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God will appoint salvation for walls and bulwarks. Open the gate that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. I want you to think about that text in a prophetic sort of way. Think about it as it relates to the New Testament, to what we have now. God will appoint salvation for its walls and bulwarks, this strong city with these gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth will enter in. Do you recall what God's church is called in Second Timothy in First Timothy three fifteen? The church there is called the pillar and support of the truth. The Lord's church is that one explanation of that beautiful city that keeps the truth, but we know, don't we, that that's not the only one. I'm also reminded as I read Isaiah 26, 1 and 2 of a passage that at least in my mind it foreshadows of what's waiting for us in heaven. Keep your finger or some sort of marker here in Isaiah 26 and turn with me to Revelation 21. Revelation chapter 21. Consider this righteous nation that keeps the truth. Revelation 21 beginning at verse 24 it says... And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. 
Its gate shall not be shut at all by day. There'll be no night there. And they'll bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. goes on to say, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, chapter 22, verse 1, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They'll see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There'll be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly, and blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. As we look at that particular passage, and others like it in Revelation, we see this, this city that's built on truth. This city that the truth of God's word tells us about. This, this beautiful, incredible city. And all of the rewards there revolve around keeping the truth, or keeping the words of this book. Just as we saw... Back here in Isaiah 26, how only those of the righteous nation which keep God's truth will enter in. But we can't keep it if we don't know it. We've got to continually study it and learn it. And I'll tell you what, with all the grief and stuff that's going on in the world today, isn't it beautiful to sit down and read a passage like that one in Revelation and see what's waiting for us, where we don't have to put up with so much of this stuff that's going on in our world? But what I want for us to understand as we look at Isaiah 26, 1 through 4, that the divine benefits of Bible study aren't just something that we see waiting for us in eternity, but the divine benefits of Bible study are for us right here in our everyday lives as well. What God's Word gives us and how it strengthens us and how it empowers us. We see that... In the next couple of verses here, in Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. And really, verse 3 is what both of today's sermons are kind of built around. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. I love that passage. A lot of us are struggling with health issues, other issues... And we need more peace in our lives. We're struggling with all kinds of issues, no matter where we look in our world. But you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. When you open your Bible, I don't care if you've been a Christian for 110 years. I have to say something that doesn't fit anybody because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But every time you open your Bible... And you read God's word and you see the promises and you see the hope and it, it just strengthens that armor and it strengthens your heart and it encourages you. And this is one of those texts that does that. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is focused or stayed or planted on you because he trusts in you. The Bible tells us a very familiar passage. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We're all very familiar with that. We use it so much it kind of loses its impact. 
But that's what this text is saying. My faith is going to be stronger the more time I spend in God's Word. That's the way that works. And my ability to overcome the enemy is going to be stronger every time I open God's Word. It strengthens that. And I will have peace and more peace in my life if my mind is stayed or focused on God because I trust Him. It goes on there in verse 4 to say, Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. Now, this is our theme text for tonight, but what I want to do with the rest of this lesson is this. In these four verses, I want to note some immensely powerful words that are located throughout the rest of Scripture, but throughout the book of Isaiah as well. The first one I want for us to notice is in verse 1. It is the word salvation. Salvation in verse 1. That word is used 28 times in 26 verses in the book of Isaiah. Are you, are you grateful for your salvation tonight? Isaiah mentions that word again 26 times in 28 verses, including chapter 12. Let's look at it in chapter 12. Let's be encouraged tonight by studying our Bibles and by looking at another passage where Isaiah uses that word salvation. Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 6, which is the whole chapter. And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. There's our word. I will trust and not be afraid. Do you need that for what you're facing in your future? I will trust and I will not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Second time we see it. Verse 3, we'll see it a third time. Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Think about that. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Knowing that you have salvation in Christ... Knowing what is yours by the blood of Christ. You ought to be able to go to that well and to tap it for joy when you are facing some of the hard times and the dry periods in your life. You ought to be able to go to that well and, and draw that joy and strength out of knowing that you have salvation. He goes on with the rest of that chapter to say this. And in that day you will say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name, declare his deeds among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he's done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. You know, as I read some of these Old Testament passages, and I, I know about the relationship they had with God, and they talk about oh, it makes me want to sing and have joy, and it's just this wonderful, awesome thing. Folks, in Christ, you and I have a relationship with God that they couldn't even dream of. We get to be God's children. We have a, as I've said so many times from Hebrews, we have a better covenant, we have a better sacrifice. They were God's people. But in Christ, we get to be God's children. And if they could rejoice like that, as they went to the well of their salvation, how much more so, you and I, what a powerful thing God's word is. 
Another word that is used in Isaiah 26, 1 through 4, in verse 2 is the word truth. That word occurs 17 times in 16 verses in the book of Isaiah. 17 and 16. Including showing us the carnage that is caused when people do not constantly seek and teach and submit to and obey the truth. Passages such as Isaiah 59, please turn there. Isaiah chapter 59. We will see the word truth, but we will see what happens when people do not constantly study it and obey it in their lives. We'll see the desperation and the heartache and the carnage that it causes. Isaiah 59, a few selected verses, verse 4. No one calls for justice, God says, nor does any plead for truth. Word truth is here, but they weren't doing it right. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. That's what happens when the truth is not studied and obeyed. Verses 7 and 8. Their feet run to evil, they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known. There's no justice in their ways. They've made themselves crooked paths. Paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. Now, that you say, wow, that sounds vaguely familiar. It ought to. The Apostle Paul quotes this very closely in Romans chapter 3. So you've probably heard this before. But again, I want you to look at the fact that because they're not pleading for truth, because they're trusting in empty words instead of the truth of God's word, I want you to look at what a mess their lives are in, just as we talked about this morning with the school shootings and everything else that we talked about. We go on in verses 9 and following to read about what happens when one is not continually immersed in God's word and obeying it and grabbing on to all of the good stuff that is in it. It says, therefore, verse 9, justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness, for brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noon as at twilight. We're like dead men in desolate places. We live in a world of people just like that. They may smile at some momentary thing that that happens, but folks, there's so much anger in our world. There's so many angry people, there's so many bitter people. He says, we all growl like bears, verse 11, and we moan sadly like doves, and we look for justice, but there is none. We look for salvation, but it's far from us. Where did we see salvation is? In the Word of God. These are people that aren't listening to the Word of God. And so their lives are just misery and frustration and depression and anger and bitterness. For our transgressions, verse 12, are multiplied before you and our sins testify against us. Our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. Look, people know when they're not living right. They do. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, may sound to some of us like our workplace, not mine, but think about it. 
Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands far off. Here's why. Here's the root of all of their problem. Here it is right here in verse 14. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So truth fails. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. They were not immersed in and following the truth of God's word. And their lives were a mess. Then it goes on to say this. Verse 15. Then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. This pain got God. As I said this morning, we look at our nation, we look at some of our churches, we look at some of the messes that we're in. God never wanted for us to have to endure some of this stuff. The problem is, is we're not doing it God's way. We're not spending the time in His Word that we should that would prevent so many of the messes that are made. God never wanted for these terrible things to happen. And all the fighting that sometimes happens and all of the just the bad stuff that goes on both in our world and our church, that, that isn't what God, that isn't that joyful life God wants us to lead. But you see, that's where it leads when we do not spend enough time in God's Word immersed in those elements which will produce the opposite of what we so often see. It, it displeased God. God wanted us to have better than they had. He saw there was no man, verse 16, as I said, wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his own arm brought, here's our word again, salvation for him. And his own righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on, now watch this, he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance of clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. That sound familiar, verse 17? God said, I got, I'm going to do something. And this sounds very much like the full armor of God that we talked about this morning from Ephesians chapter 6. But we have seen both the words salvation and truth here. Moving on. Another word that we see in Isaiah 26, verses 1 through 4. The third one is peace in verse 3. We're going to cover six words tonight. Seven actually. Two of them go together. What I want you to understand from Isaiah 26, 1 through 4, the third one being peace, that word occurs more times in Isaiah than any of the others. Peace is throughout the book of Isaiah. Writing in a, in a time where there was a lot of trouble, there was a lot of peace in Isaiah's book. Let me just read you some of those that we are probably familiar with at least the first one. One of the places we see the word peace in another passage in Isaiah is Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Did you catch that? Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. What a promise of peace that was to those people at that time. 
Another passage that talks about peace and highlights the need for Bible study in the book of Isaiah would be Isaiah 48, 17 and 18. Isaiah 48, 17 and 18. We'll see the word peace. And it's pretty easy to see how it ties into the need for constant Bible study. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you. Can't teach us if we ain't reading it. Can't teach us if we ain't studying it. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. God says, oh, i got so much peace that I want to give you. If you'll only listen to me, if you'll only let me teach you, if you'll only learn from my instruction. Another one would be Isaiah 32, 17 through 19. Isaiah 32, 17 through 19. And that says this. The work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Sometimes people laugh at us because of the lives we live. God doesn't want you to have any fun. <clears throat> Nothing to do with God not wanting us to have any fun. But God knows because He made us that if we live the righteous life that he designed us to live, there is going to be peace. There's going to be joy. There is going to be security and assurance and quietness forever. Do you need more assurance in your life? I'll take all the assurance I can get. And God has provided it, but he's provided it through what I see in His Word and the message there that leads me to Christ. But it says here, the effect of righteousness, the effect of living right for God, quietness and assurance forever. He says, my people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, in quiet resting places, though hail comes down on the forest and the city is brought low in humiliation. Now yes, he's talking physical there to those people, but we do not have the physical covenant that they had. Our covenant is more spiritual and we can apply these physical illustrations. Same way Peter uses Noah's Ark to talk about baptism. Okay, And so we look at how God said there's assurance and security in living the righteous life that I want you to live, which we find out about in Bible study. But we read about how we're supposed to be and we become more righteous in the way that we live. And God says, there's so much security. I'll give you peace. I'll give you joy. I'll give you security. It's all right there for the taking. You know, if God said to us, every one of us, when you get home tonight, I'm going to drop $100 million on your living room floor. It's all yours. You can spend it any way you want. How many of us would pick it up off the floor? I ain't shy. How many of us would pick it up off the floor? How many of us being dishonest? Or would you say, get the vacuum cleaner out and let's just let's get rid of this. I need something to start a fire. We wouldn't do that, would we? I need something to start a fire with. I'm going to take it out back and, you know, we wouldn't do that, would we? 
What a, what a treasure. You know what? I got more of a treasure right here. Peace, joy, security, assurance. All I got to do is open it up and study it. And those are all mine. Are those all mine? If I do that? that God's promise? I'll tell you what, it's worth more than 100 mil. Because a person may have 100 mil, but the second they take their last breath, they ain't taking one penny of it with them. But you know what? The peace and assurance and everything that I am promised by God in this book, I can take with me to eternity. You tell me what's more valuable. And God's trying to get this message across to his people. The other key words that we would note from Isaiah 26, 1 through 4, besides salvation, truth, and peace, the next one would be trust. In verse 4 of Isaiah 26, we see the word trust. That word occurs 18 times in 18 verses in the rest of Isaiah, including Isaiah 50 in verse 10, which says this. Who among you fears the Lord? Isaiah 50, 10. Who obeys the voice of his servant? Of his servant. Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. It's the same thing we talked about this morning from several passages, including Ephesians 4.17 and following. God is saying, don't walk in the darkness. Who's out there walking in the darkness and has no light? You need to learn to trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon him. Well, how do I learn to trust in the Lord and rely upon him if I don't want to walk in darkness anymore? Get into the book. God's word, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's what David said in Psalm 119. It is. God says in Isaiah 15, verse 10, you don't have to walk in the darkness. If that's what you're doing, you have no light. Trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon Him. Trust is our fourth word. Our fifth and sixth words are very, very similar. We see them both in verse 4 of Isaiah 26. Those two words are forever and everlasting. Forever and everlasting. We all need something in our lives that's going to last. We need something so that when the doctor says, I am so sorry, but there's nothing we can do. We all need something that we can grab onto at that point and take with us. We need something when we go out into the world tomorrow. That we can just grab onto and we know it's forever. And, and no matter what they do in the world of politics, no matter what they do in the world where I work, no matter what happens on any of these fronts, no matter what happens, I need something that lasts and is a little bit stronger and more stable than what this life can provide. Those two words are incredible. Forever and everlasting. In verse 4 of Isaiah 26. Now... Let's take a look at one passage that stresses the word forever or includes it. Isaiah 40. Remember, it occurs, the word forever occurs 19 times in 18 verses, one of which is Isaiah 40. Let's look at the word forever in Isaiah 40, 1 through 8. Forever. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Obviously pointing toward John the Baptist and Jesus coming, how Jesus will come and bring peace. This is another prophecy from the book of Isaiah. 
Then in verse 6, the voice said, cry out. And he said, what will I cry? All flesh is grass and all its loveliness like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. Nothing, none of us are going to live forever on this planet. The whole point of that is our flesh, in our humanity, our lives being like a vapor, James said, we're like grass. You know, I still haven't figured out all different kinds of grass that grow down here in Oklahoma, but some of them come up and spring up for a couple of months and they're gone and some other grass takes its place and that's the end of that until next year. Our lives are just like that. They're, they're really that quick in the overall scheme of things. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but here's our word. The word of the Lord, the word of our God stands forever. There is nothing on this earth that's going to change God's word. The promises that God has made us, there's no man, there's no nation, there's no demon, there's no devil, there's no anything that has the power to change the promises God has made us. Isn't God awesome? We can count on it because it is forever. This is why it is so important that we study our Bibles because the Word of God stands forever. We can take it with us on into eternity. That's why we must study. The other word, everlasting, from verse 4 of Isaiah 26 as well. That also occurs 18 in 18 verses. One of those I'd like to look at real quick is Isaiah 51. Let's look at the word everlasting. Isaiah 51. And I ain't, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, but I'll tell you what. If this lesson and the promises God is making you by getting into His Word tonight and looking at some of these texts the way we're looking at them, if that is not lifting your spirit, if that is not giving you hope and encouragement, you're not listening. Look at what God has promised us in His Word. And every time we open His Word, these jewels are all ours for the taking. All we've got to do is pick up on them. Isaiah 51, verse 6. Let's look at the word everlasting. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look on the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish away like smoke, the earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. Same message, it's all going away, but my salvation will be forever. I realize that's not our word. We've already looked at forever, but forever is included here. We'll get to our word here eventually, everlasting. And my righteousness will not be abolished. God's righteousness is not going anywhere. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, you people in whose heart is my law. God says, hey, you church people, I'm trying to get a hold of you and get you to listen tonight. That's kind of a variation, but that's the point here. You people in whose heart is my law, do not fear the reproach of men, nor be afraid of their insults. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be... Forever. You say, Doug, I thought I was going to look at everlasting. That's two forevers. We'll get there. And my salvation, which is a word we've already covered from generation to generation. Do you see how these words thread their way and tie together this beautiful message from Isaiah? He says, Awake and put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Verse 9. Awake as in the ancient days and the generations of old. Are you not the arm that cut Rahab apart and wounded the serpent? Aren't you the one who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, and made the depths of the sea a road for the redeemed to cross over? Watch this. Here comes our word. So the ransomed of the Lord 
In other words, in the same fashion, God made it all happen for the Israelites to, to get away. God, God took care of the whole thing. In the same way, or so, verse 11, the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting, here's our word, joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Do you have sorrow in your life? Here's another prophecy that God's people will have everlasting joy. Do you have sorrow in your life? Most of us can probably say, yeah, at times. You know what? When we have that sorrow in our lives, what we need to do is we need to get into God's Word. And we need to fill ourselves with God's Word when that sorrow and that heartache and those terrible things come crashing in. Because God has said, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Remember Isaiah 26, remember? That joy is there for the taking if we'll just open the book up and take the joy that is ours that God promised that is everlasting. Our sixth and final word from Isaiah 26, 1 through 4. Our sixth and final or seventh, depending on how you're counting forever and everlasting. The word is strength. Strength. As you face uncertainty in your future, do you need more strength? It's there for the taking. Strength occurs in Isaiah 26, 4. It occurs another 32 times in 30 verses in Isaiah, including, of course, the one that probably comes to mind when you say strength from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. Should have worn my tie with the eagle on it. Now I'll keep this one on. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, strength. It says this, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting, yes, some of these words are used several times. Here's our word everlasting, we've already covered. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. God doesn't get tired. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. Is that verse still true? Is it or not? This means yes. This means no. Let's try it one more time. Ben, practice with me. Okay. Is that verse still true? Yes. God gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, He increases, here's our word, strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Young men will utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Now, obviously, it's not talking physical. But we can walk through anything if we will hook into, if we will study and tap into what God has put in His Word for us. If we'll study more, if we'll fill our heads with the promises of God, we can walk through anything. It is strengthening to us. One other passage, just I got to put this one in because it ties to Bible study so well from the book of Isaiah. One verse, and that's Isaiah 33 and verse 6. Listen to this. Isaiah 33 and verse 6 says, when it comes to our word strength, when it ties it all to Bible study, it says, wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. 
Wisdom and knowledge, both of which come from the Word of God, will give you stability in your life. Will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is His treasure. Is it your treasure to study the Word of God? Does it, does it strike you? That that is so rich and so full that it's worth far more than God dropping a hundred million in unmarked bills in your living room tonight. You're going to take your Bible home. That's worth more. Is that your treasure? What did Jesus say about treasure? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, have you noticed? You probably have. But I'm going to call these six terms, or seven, depending on how you count them, I'm going to call them the super six for tonight's sermon. Have you noticed how these super six, super empowering words that we have taken out of Isaiah 26, 1 through 4, have you noticed as we've read them how it parallels a powerful passage in the New Testament that we read this morning? Have you noticed... How all six of these terms pretty much are in that incredible New Testament passage which also focuses on the need for continual study of God's Word. Let me give you a list of these six. Salvation, truth, peace, trust, everlasting, and strength. You know what? All six of those words are in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 that we covered this morning. Pretty close. Let's count them. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Those six words. Here we go. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Same word as strength. There's one of them. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly. How long is heaven going to last? Forever. It's going to be everlasting. In the heavenly or the everlasting places. So everlasting is covered. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. That's a direct that's taken directly out of Isaiah 26 1 through 4 as well. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that's another one. Above all taking the shield of faith, what is faith? Trust out of Isaiah 26, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation, which is in Isaiah 26 as well, and the sword of the Spirit, which is, guess what? The Word of God. All six of those terms, pretty much, Isaiah 26, or in Ephesians 6, a text which gets the culmination and says, take with you the Word of God. All of those things are found in the Word of God. This is why it is so crucial that we understand the treasure we have when we have a copy of God's Word and what it can do for us, not only eternally, not only those promises, but right now, Tonight, with whatever you're struggling with, tomorrow when you get up, whatever it causes you not to be able to sleep tonight, 
Whatever struggle it is that you're facing in your life, God's Word gives us all of those things right now. What an incredibly beautiful gift this is from God. That's why we need to spend more time studying our Bibles. I asked this morning. How many people spend more time social media, cell phones, all of that stuff? Do we spend more time there? Do we spend more time in the Word of God? Well, if we're spending so much more time on all of that stuff that doesn't have the power of strength that this does, no wonder sometimes we get so messed up and tied up in all the things we do. I want you to turn with me to one more verse before we close, or as we close, and that's John chapter 6. John chapter 6. All day today we've talked about the importance, the critical essentiality for both life here and hereafter of continually, no matter how long we've been a Christian, studying our Bibles more. We've talked about how crucial it is, how we've got to do this, how its blessings are everywhere and more powerful than we can even fathom if we'll just open it up and sift that treasure out of our Bibles. We need to be here every time the church meets for Bible study. We need to study in our homes. We need to study all that we possibly can. Here's why. The summary verse, John 6, verse 63. Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. When Jesus says the flesh profits nothing, Jesus isn't trying to be mean. Jesus never sinned. Jesus never did anything hateful in his life. But what he's saying there is, all of those fleshly pursuits, all of those things that we so often devote our time and effort and energy to, would be time, effort, and energy better spent on something that will give life, because the flesh profits nothing. We can't take anything with us except the relationship we have with God that we have built up over the years in Christ Jesus through our study of the Word. He said, the words that I give you, that's life. That's where spirit is. That's where life is. And everything else just can't take you there. This is the only path to life. Everything else is a dead end. Tomorrow... Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and etc. You will personally have the opportunity to put seeking even deeper into the Word of God and staying on the straight and narrow path that leads to life through your study. You'll have the opportunity to make that your priority. You'll have the opportunity to get more into this holy roadmap to heaven. You'll have more of an opportunity to tap into the power and the strength and the encouragement of the promises of God and to make that your top priority. You'll have that opportunity on Wednesday night. You'll have that opportunity next Sunday, but you'll have it personally. You'll have that opportunity as you talk with your spouse or your kids or your parents. You'll have that opportunity when you're sitting around and you say, and I know this doesn't happen to any of us, most of the time, but say, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to well, what am I going to well, nothing on TV. What am I Open your Bible. Open your Bible. 
Rather than sitting there and watching all the news that's on and all the terrible things that are going on in our world, instead of concentrating on the bad news of the world, get into the good news of the Word. Spend some time here. That opportunity will be yours. What will you do with it? Well, as we look down through verses 66 through 69, we see there, Peter decided what he was going to do with those opportunities. Jesus asked him, he said, do you want to walk away too? Look at his disciples, said, you guys want to leave too? Peter said, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. You. And the implication there is, you alone. Where else would we want to go? What else would we want to do? There's nothing else that has the power to do for us what the word, and you're, you have the words of eternal life. Peter got it. He understood that in those words that Jesus had, there was life, and there was joy, and there was peace, and stability, and strength, and security, and all these awesome, wonderful things. Salvation. So Peter said, I'm not going to focus on something else. You got what I need. Peter got it. My hope and prayer for us is that we get it. Let's all make the commitment to spend more time in God's Word. And I guarantee, I don't have to, God has. Guarantee that we will have more strength, more stability, more peace, and more security in our life. Now, if you don't need that, well, okay. That's up to you. But I sure can use it. The lesson is yours tonight. If you're here tonight and you have never obeyed the gospel by being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, maybe you have. And you just realize, you know what, I have not made studying a priority or there's something else in your life for which you need the prayers of the church. That's what we're here for. Don't walk out the door hurting. You don't have to. That's like going into the doctor's office and having this terrible thing and the doctor says, yeah, here's a free prescription. Fix you right up. No, I really don't want it. I'd rather hurt. Don't, don't leave here hurting. You don't have to. If you have a need, we come to the front tonight as we stand and as we sing.